It's Ariel Hawani, and I wanted to let you know that each and every week, I'm part of a great program called The Ringer MMA Show. I host it alongside two absolutely brilliant minds. Their names, Chuck Mendenhall and Pete Carroll. And every Thursday, a new episode drops where we preview the weekend in mixed martial arts and react to all the biggest news. Plus, after every UFC pay-per-view, we give you a post-fight show. So this is what you have to do. Just follow the Ringer MMA show on your Spotify app so you don't miss an episode. We'll talk to you then. It's New York, New York, presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here, and you can bet on the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays. And same game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page and the Pulse and Bet Live. Same game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer. Is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit theringer.com slash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 100 Gambler or visit theringer.com slash RG. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC Slim Fit Trouser. But I am a joggers guy. I just, once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. All righty, let's roll, baby. Welcome in. It is a special Memorial Day, New York, New York. No days off. What do you think this is? We, we took Tuesday off. I already feel out of place, not having a show. It doesn't matter if it's Memorial Day weekend. The boys are ready to rock. The boys are ready to cook. I got Stefan back from Stockholm. Joe Benigo is going to join us after a terrible golf round where we'll have some fun with the retired numbers and who makes sense, who doesn't make sense. I'll run my list through him. No greater New York sports historian, in my opinion, than Benigo. Like over the last 50 years, he is ridiculous. I mean, the memory he has on so many of these things, it, it legitimately blows my mind. I don't know if Joe remembers what he had for lunch yesterday, but if you want him reciting stuff from like the 70s and Joe Willie Namath Jet games, he's going to do it. So I thought he was the perfect guy to bring on. So we'll continue that conversation. That's going to be a big part of what we do today. Um, I'm not going to lie. I am still freaking stunned by what happened at the end of that game last night. And I know we'll get to the Yankees. We'll get to the Mets in a little bit. Are you freaking kidding me with the end of that game with Miami and Boston? Boston legitimately did everything in their power in the final three and change to go and lose that game. They legitimately did. You name me 
the bad instance from when Marcus Smart ended up, I think, either getting an N1 or he got a three-point play, three-shot, whatever it was. They went up by like 10 or 11 points, and I'm like, this game is over. I had Miami, full disclosure, plus the points. I thought the game was cooked, and then it was bad out. Horford shot, uh, early shot, shot clock, Jason Tatum not touching the ball, and then Jimmy Butler, who was awful. I mean, it was probably for three and a half quarters the worst game I have ever seen Jimmy Butler play in my life. Couldn't hit a shot. Robert Williams is disrupting him around the basket. But the heat of cockroaches, they hang around. Robinson kept them in it. Butler brought him back. Robinson, as, as well as he played for three quarters, he missed two of the most wide-open threes that he'll ever hit. And if he hits those threes, maybe we're talking about a different game and a different outcome. But Butler comes alive. And when the Celtics miss a couple of free throws and they heat it down to him, I'm like, they're going to win the game. They're going to win the game. And then to see Horford foul Butler on a shot he is never making. He is never, ever, 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 ever making that shot. I'm like, this is how the Celtics are going to lose game six. This is how their season is going to come to an end. They put a couple extra seconds on the clock, maybe about six tenths, seven tenths. And that final possession, I mean, I've been thinking about it all day. Can you imagine? If the Knicks lost a playoff game like that with a chance to go to the NBA Finals, how you would react and how you would feel? You would not be able, forget about Game 7, you would not be able to talk to me for days if a game like that went against my team. For days. Not kidding. Don't don't even bother trying to throw anything my way. If if my team lost like that, and, and not a regular season game, with the NBA freaking Finals on the line, and that's how that's how you lose at home. That's that's a tough day. Like I think about Altuve hitting a walk off against Chapman in 2019. Bad loss. We've seen some bad losses with the Yankees. Trust me. And you find me your team: Jets, Mets, Knicks. I, I get it. I'm not going to run through the laundry list. But that was so crushing to see Smart miss the three that went in and out, to not box out to get the. Perfect bounce. It goes right to Derek White and he ends up scoring. Right place, right time. But now the Celtics, and this is what makes me sick. This is what makes me sick. Celtics won this series. I, I really wouldn't have cared. I wouldn't have cared. I was rooting for the heat, but like, it, I was not emotionally invested in this series. I'm like, okay, I'm a Nuggets ticket. I'm going to take the heat plus games. I, I really didn't. It didn't work up my anti-Boston animosity. It really didn't. I'll tell you what has. And I've detailed it on this podcast. This 3-0 bullshit that just, I, I, I can't with the 3-0. I had to live it in high school. Soul crushing. Soul crushing in high school. Even though I said all year in 2004, the Red Sox were the better team. Ask any of my high school classmates. Schilling, Pedro, Yankees had no pitching. I always felt Boston was better. And I thought they were going to win the series. 19-8-3-0? No, I didn't think they were going to win the series. But this series has brought back a lot of those feelings that are like in me. That like you cannot get over. So now I got to hear these these Boston folks. Oh, we're 3-0. Did it to the Yankees. 3-0 3-0 Celtics. All they've done is win championships. The entire history of the franchise. 
Now they're going to be the first team in NBA history to go 3-0. Like, it is sickening to think about. A lot of people in my life think the Celtics are going to win this game by double digits tomorrow. I don't. I don't. I think the Heat are going to show up. I think Butler's going to play much better. I think Bam is going to play much better. Is it going to be enough to win in Boston? Probably not. Because the Celtics are the better team. There is no getting around that. Boston is a more talented team than the Heat. But I do think Miami will show up. You know what it will remind you of? The 2013 NBA Finals. You remember the Ray Allen shot? San Antonio couldn't make free throws. They lose the game. Game seven, Duncan played great. They fought like crazy. LeBron was just better. I think we get that sort of script tomorrow in game seven. That's my prediction. Hard fought, great effort from Miami, great spirit from Miami. They lose the game. And then we get the Nuggets and the Celtics in the NBA Finals on Thursday. But the NBA is salivating over this because they thought they were going to have no games Memorial Day weekend. They thought they were going to have no buzz Memorial Day weekend. Now, I got to make sure, listen, I'm back to TV tomorrow, but I also got to make sure I'm back now for this basketball game that's going to start at 8.30 on Monday night. So I had to get in on this basketball because it was insane. I know it's New York. I know you want to hear the Yankees and the Mets, but you're walking around the Hamptons, the Jersey Shore, your your beach barbecue on Sunday. If that wasn't your lead, then you don't do things the proper way. Okay? If you're showing up with a six-pack of beer, you're not saying, hey, did you see the end of the Met game and the Yankee game on Saturday night? Please. Did you see the end of that basketball game on Saturday in the Eastern Conference Finals? I sure did. That is a nice little transition to what we had this weekend with the baseball. Um, job well done by the Yankees, taking two out of three from the Padres, especially when they lose Friday night's game. They got a good, well-pitched game by Vasquez, who I'd never heard of. Yankees couldn't hit on Friday night. Saturday had a good win. Severino pitched well. Got good work out of the bullpen. Good for IKF. You know, we gave IKF a real hard time about him as an everyday shortstop. And I I don't regret it. He was an awful everyday shortstop. He has proven to be a useful, utility, jack-of-all-trades player. He doesn't have for much power, but like if you play IKF two or three days a week, he hasn't embarrassed himself. So I want to give him credit. He has the moment. He walks it off on Saturday. The Yankees go and win the game. Sunday... They go and survive what was a subpar start from Garrett Cole. Garrett Cole spotted the San Diego Padres three runs. The Yankees come storming back. They get all these hits. Judge has big day. Rizzo, before he gets hurt, which was a monumental scare, he goes and has a big day. Yankees got an 8-3 lead. Cole gives up the two-run bomb to Ruggio Dorr. And by the way, Ruggio Dorr can pimp those home runs, can he not? I mean, my goodness, when he hits them, he pimps them. I mean, he hits 205 with 15 homers, but when he hits them, the bat flip, the little strut, the whole deal. Ruggie was letting it all hang out at Yankee Stadium. So is Tatis. Tatis, listen, say what you want about him. He is a phenomenal baseball player. I mean, the kids, you would not believe Friday night the amount of kids that were wearing Fernando Tatis t-shirts and jerseys. I couldn't believe it. And I know San Diego, a lot of people in town for the Memorial Day weekend, that may be true. But like just being at Yankee Stadium Friday night, I'm like, holy crap, where, where did all these Tatis fans come from? He's fun to watch. And I know he's a knucklehead and he had the steroids, the whole motorcycle thing. 
He's a fun player to watch. Real fun player to watch. Him and Soto. Soto's ball. Halfway up that second deck in right field. No cheapy. But not a good start from Cole, but the Yankees surviving. Think it could work out of the bullpen. Marinaggio pitched well. Holmes made you sweat a little bit in the ninth inning, but he does the job. And San Diego has not in any way lived up to the expectation that I and many others had at the beginning of the year, where I thought they were a championship team and they have not looked that way. They've been very top-heavy. They're missing Manny Machado. They've, they, they've not played well. They've not played well. But the Yankees need to go and win a series. They have to lose into the Baltimore Orioles 2 or 3. They did exactly that. Good to have Seve back. Yankees going to have to do some work. There's no doubt with this roster. They need another bullpen arm. Maybe it's Canley. Maybe it's somebody else. They need a left fielder. There's work to be done. And hopefully Stanton on the mend. Not exactly thrilled about Donaldson on the mend, but that's where the Yankees stand before. A fun West Coast trip. I'll be into it. Seattle for three. They've been underachieving. And then how about this series next weekend? And thank heavens, the Yankees and the Dodgers will be playing and they won't be wearing those grotesque black uniforms that I had to see where I could not read any of the players' names and numbers for that horrific players' weekend. It will be the way it was in 77 and 78. Dodger blew at home for L.A. The Yankees in their beautiful road gray jerseys. And that is how Yankees and Dodgers should be played. Players weekend. Take those jerseys and burn them and get rid of them. And never do I want to see them ever, ever again. So, fun week for the Yankees. A lot of late nights for us. Looking forward to it. Mets this week. Bad week. No sugarcoating it. The Cubs are a mediocre team. The Rockies are a bad team. Two and four on that road trip is unacceptable. Completely unacceptable. The Mets played a classic Coors Field game each of the last two days. Had a 6-2 lead after the Alvarez homer. Then it's McGill, Nagosik getting bombed. Met bullpen outside of Robertson, Raley, and to a lesser extent, Adovino, stinks. They don't have guys. And I know they compromised without Edwin Diaz. They are multiple relievers short in that pen. And once again, subpar work out of starters. Subpar from McGillian, not surprised there. Very disappointing was Verlander on Saturday. You know, I've been hard on Scherzer. I've given Verlander a pass. Maybe this is Coors Field. It's a Coors Field start. I don't want to get nuts. But Verlander, go and follow up with Scherzer. Can I, can I see the two big guys for the Mets go and string consecutive big starts together back-to-back? I know they did against Cleveland. Can they do it again? Like, uh, that's what I want to see for $40-plus million. Maybe, maybe that's not high enough an expectation. I don't know. But I finally get the big start out of Scherzer that I was looking for. It was great on Friday night. And I don't get it from Verlander. The Mets right now are the definition of a mediocre average baseball team. And now they get ready for Philadelphia. And these are big games. The Mets have not played the Phillies yet this year. Remember, the Mets had their way with the Philadelphia Phillies a season ago. I mean, they had a monstrous head-to-head record with the Phillies. Mets 27-27. and The Phillies right now are 25-27. and You don't have as many division games. So those division games matter that much more. But this is a bad week for the Mets. And can we please put to bed this ridiculous 
narrative that was coming from a couple of different places, but I think it's kind of stopped now. Francisco Alvarez is like the third best Met power hitter on the team. Maybe the second best power hitter on the team outside of Alonzo. He is your catcher for the rest of this year. That's it. There's, there's nothing to discuss. He catches whoever comes back as the backup. Okay, great. And can Vogelback get out of here? Whether it is Vientos, whether it's Mauricio down the road, I don't even mind if it's Tommy Pham is the everyday DH. Vogelback stinks. He cannot hit the ball out of the ballpark. He doesn't hit for an average. All he can do is walk. Vogelback is, he should be DFA'd immediately for the Mets. He's making no money. It's not even like he's making money where it's like, well, he's making 20 million. Got to keep him around. He's not. He's making no money. Cut your losses. So, good weekend for the Yankees. Bad weekend for the Mets. And fun week. This is a fun week. Yeah, Monday, game seven. Monday, Yankees, Mariners into Mets, Phillies. How are the Mets not playing on Memorial Day? You want to explain that scheduling to me? Don't tell me travel. It's Memorial Day. They should be playing. Bad luck. Bad luck bothers me. Like, holiday weekends, you want to watch baseball. So tomorrow, like, 1 o'clock in the afternoon, I'm not going to have the Yankees to watch. I'm not going to have the Mets to watch. That's, that's annoying. That's a little annoying. I'm a little bit in a feisty mood, if you can tell. A little bit of feisty mood. We're going to do calls right out of the gate. Then we'll hear Beningo, and we'll have some fun with the retired number spiel. I needed a historian, no better than Joe. And then we'll have some fun with some trivia. And Jeff Money before we say goodbye. But voicemails, 917-382-1151. We will have a pod coming up Thursday night. So we will not have a pod Tuesday. We will have one Thursday night, a monstrous one. Game seven, or game one, get ahead of myself. Game one of the NBA Finals and a look ahead to Yankees Dodgers at Chavez Ravine. Not going to lie. I'm a little jealous. I am not going to be at Chavez Ravine Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I should have made that trip because... Kate will be going on her bachelorette party to Tulum. Not quite Vegas. Not going to lie. Not quite Vegas. But Tulum is where they will go. I should have maybe, maybe uh, planned a little Yankee Dodger. Might have dropped the ball on that. All right, voicemail. Steph, good to have you back. Let's go. Sean from the Beach House in Belmar. Happy Memorial Day, JJ. Thank you to everyone who served. You talked about upcoming potential numbers getting retired, but I want to talk about two guys whose numbers I don't think are ever going to get retired and that I want off my teams, and that is Julius Randle and Gleyber Torres. They just remind me so much of each other, watching Torres have some success, putting up stats, top five second baseman in baseball. But he reminds me of Randle, that error and the Severino start at the worst time. They just both strike me as immature and insecure. Immature and insecure. From the neck up, they're just never going to get there from New York standards, for me anyway. They're just overly emotional, sulky, pouty, not in control, low IQ for their sport. It's one thing to be fiery. I can live with a Paul O'Neill. I can live with an Xavier McDaniel. But there's just something in Randall and Torres, regular season all-stars, first three quarters of the game players. But when push comes to shove, I don't have faith. In either one, I don't have confidence in Glaber to be the leadoff hitter for a championship caliber team. You gotta move off these guys. You gotta try and get 40, 50 cents on the dollar. I won't do Torres, but just to give an example, like Randall. Can we find the next Austin Reeves from the Lakers? Can we find a guy like KCP? 
on Denver? Can we find a guy like Brooke Lopez, who anybody could have had, the veteran who's a little past his prime, the young player that hasn't broken out yet, or just a role player who can give you a little more offense than, say, Josh Hart and always seems to be on winning teams? Is there a baseball equivalent for that for Glaber? Can you trade a Randall and a Torres for somebody who's not as good as them in a vacuum, but who will help you be a winner? I just want to hear your take. Love the show. Be well. Well, I appreciate it, Sean. I hope that the uh, beach house in Belmar is treating you well. Got to get back down at Belmar. It's been a while. You know, my wedding band is actually playing the Jersey Shore in the next couple months. So I'm going to have to plot if I do the LBI hit. Do I do the Point Pleasant hit? I can't. They're doing Bar A, which would have been great. I love Bar A. It's a special place to me. In many ways, it's where this all began for me. Outside of Syracuse, of course. So I would have loved to have seen him at Bar A, but I have a wedding that weekend. So, you know, bad luck. What are you going to do? The point being is, I need a Belmore hit. I need a Manasquan hit. I need an LBI hit. I, I, I got to get down to Jersey Shore. Aside from Atlantic City, where I always frequent. So I'm going to have to do that at some point this summer. Here's what I'm going to disagree with you on, on when it comes to Gleyber Torres. Gleyber Torres and your frustrations with him throughout the regular season and in general are fair. At times, he's a lot to lunch. The mental mistakes are incredibly frustrating. It feels like he should be a much better player than he is. But you look at his postseason numbers, they're not a problem. See, that's where the Randall comparison to me does not work. Torres in 114 playoff at-bats is in 281 with an 820 OPS. That's pretty good. The issue you have with Torres, and right now, he's not one of the Yankee problems. He's got an OPS around eight. He's got nine bombs. He's got 25 homers in 263 like Torres. You want to tell me he's not a leadoff hitter for a championship team? That's fine. Glaber Torres could be a second baseman on a champion team. Why the hell not? He absolutely can. The issue you have with Torres is that he's not as good as you thought he was going to be. His first two years, he was profiling to be one of the bright young stars in all baseball. Now you kind of look at Torres and say, he's a good player. He's an above average second baseman. It's fine. But he's not the guy you thought he was going to be. That's your issue. And Randall, listen, we've detailed the Randall trade. That is a whole entirely different can of worms because of what his contract provides and what you'd have to match up in return. It's not as simple as, hey, go get an Austin Reeves because you got to go match up money. And that's where with Randall, listen, it's frustrating because you got to match up money. You don't want to take on bad contracts. You don't want to put yourself in a worse predicament as a franchise. That's the issue. All right, let's take two more. Hey, JJ, it's Anthony from Tom Observer. I called you last week about the Carmelo Anthony uh, potential retirement number. And I know that you proposed a question to some of the fans about who may be the next person to get their number retired. Um, as a Giants fan, I, I always loved uh, Justin Tuck, and I, I thought that he was crucial in those two Super Bowl victories um, a few years back. Uh, he didn't make too many Pro Bowls, and I think his career was probably like eight or nine years with the Giants. But, I mean, you can make the argument that he may have been the MVP in that first Super Bowl. He played so well. And he really was the captain of that defense for the second one. And I uh, just kind of want to get your thoughts on his career and his potential uh, number yet retired for the Giants. Thanks, JJ. Anthony, appreciate it as always. Uh, big Jersey Shore contingent on the show. 
I like it. Jersey Shore right now, repping New York, New York. I mean, listen, that's par for the course. Make your way down to the shore. Anthony's down in Tom's River anyway. So Tom's River, beautiful, beautiful place. I've not been down there in a long time as well, but beautiful, beautiful place. I, I think Tuck falls short, to be honest with you. I have Tuck a notch below the retired numbers. Like, he strikes me as a ring of honor guy. He had a tremendous giant career. Tremendous, tremendous giant career. As far as retiring the number, I think he just, in my opinion, kind of misses that cut. That's me. I wouldn't be shocked if it happens, but I kind of look at Justin Tug as more of a ring of honor kind of guy. That's my two cents. Good good call, though. Good question. All right, let's take one more. Go ahead, Steph. Hey, JJ, Charlie, and Elmer. It's been a while. I'll be recording this voicemail again. Uh, not going to talk about the Yankees other than I recognize the script from this team's regular season. I know how it's going to end. So uh, call us back next over. I'll say that to this team. And I really want to get into this, your retired number conversation, like which New York athletes number should get retired. No argument there with the Bernard King and Carmelo Anthony. And of course, I mentioned, I think you put David right there. So no argument there. Uh, CC Sabathia. Yankees retired too many numbers. But I feel at this point, like, C.C. Sabathia's number is eventually going to retire because he brought everything to this team when he came in 2009. Of course, he won a championship. But more than that, changed the tenor of the clubhouse. Like, a lot of people respected him. He made that clubhouse very loose. And on the mound, he was a power workhorse. Like, took every five five days, Um, especially in the first four or five years of the contract. And I feel like the Yankees, current Yankees team got really soft ever since CC left. So CC brought everything, all the capacity, everything to the table. That's why I think 65% chance or probably more CC's numbers eventually going to get retired. And the guy I put in the top five is Henry Conquest. I think because I'm not full disclosure. I'm not a hockey guy. He was there for 20 years. Like if he had a better team, he could have won a Stanley Cup. He was a tremendous goaltender. Like, he was a face of the Rangers. Really face of the Rangers. And eventually, I think his number should get retired. And for me, hell no to A-Rob because all the baggages, the tainted steroids, suspicion, the shadowy, you know, conspiracy, suing the Yankee doctors, on and on and on it goes. Even great regular season, but flopped in the playoffs, the feud with, a- uh, with the feud with Derek Jeter, on and on and it goes. Even he brought it 09, but we have to mention that infamous, faithful crime of the series. We'll have to mention that year. Uh, if the Fandles put up a play, let's say, which Yankee number is going to be retired? Minus A-Rod at minus 320 or Aaron Judge at plus 920? I'll choose Judge. Because, I mean, I think Judge Dumpy should get retired first in A-Rod. I think that will be my play. So, uh, interesting topic. Interesting topic uh, in terms of that. So, uh, what do you think about it? All right, man. See ya. Love you, Charlie. Um, one thing on Lundquist. He got his number retired already. Rangers already took care of that, which was the right thing to do. So, uh, we're already all over that. That's why King Hamrick uh, did not make the list. Listen, I don't think A-Rod's going to get his number retired. You detailed all the reasons why. 
He did embarrass the organization. He made an ass of himself. I, I just think the performance and numbers are worthy of that honor. Yankees aren't going to do it. Um, Judge is on his way. He's not going anywhere, right? He's already got the record. He's been a Yankee for a long time. He's going to be a Yankee for a much longer time when his contract is all said and done. Like, I'm thinking about what age I'm going to be and where I'm going to be in my life when Aaron Judge's contract with the New York Yankees comes to a close. Oh, my goodness. I didn't want to think about that. But that'll be a conversation for, like, New York, New York in, like, uh, what is it, 2023 20, right now? Let's see. Yeah, like 20, 2033. Jeez. That just sounds terrible. Get old fast, though. What can I say? All right, we're going to welcome in uh, on this retired number our buddy, the great Joe Beningo, who had a terrible round of golf. He wanted to let me know he had a terrible round of golf. Um, so I preface that because we're going to have a lot of fun with the retired numbers. Again, you're not going to find a better historian with the New York stuff than Joe over the last 50 years of his life. He's as good as anybody with this stuff. So he's the perfect guy to bring on. He'll join us right after this. There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Honda Prologue EV. True, it's got class-leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more. We're having a discussion on retired numbers and numbers that need to be retired in New York sports. and. When I think of great New York sports historians, my good friend, my pal, Joe Beningo, he dates me by a couple of years. So from the historical factor, he is able to help us out in a great deal. And and Joe, I know you saw my list on SOI. Jay, I've seen mostly everybody. You know what I mean? Well, I understand that. You really have. I mean, if it's the last 50 plus years in New York sports, you've seen it, you've lived it, you've done it. So now we're in a position where, okay, a lot of the Yankee guys have been retired. There are some guys coming up for retirement. So I said, all right, Joe would be a good guy to get a gauge on. Should a number be retired? Should a number not be retired? Would you say, let's put it this way. Outside of the Yankees, do you think the New York sports scene has enough retire numbers or not enough retire numbers? What's your well, take on I mean, that? look, I don't look, I don't look at it as enough or not enough. I, I just look at it as guys that I think should be, you know, in the rafters or on, on uh, uh, top of city field, if you will, um, you know, because they belong there. I don't think it matters, you know, how uh, uh, as far as the number goes of, uh, of the amount of guys. You know what I mean? No, I totally get it. deserves to be up there. He deserves to be up there. That's and it. it's not about quantity necessarily. It's about, no. okay, did they do enough in their New York career to go and get their number retired? So why did this all start this last week, Joe? Carmelo Anthony. He right. retires. Yep. <laughs> He's going to be a Hall of Famer. There's no question about no question. it. One of the best pure scorers of the last 25 years in the NBA. Had a good, not a great Nick career. And listen, you look at his Hall of Fame legacy, Syracuse, years with the Denver Nuggets. He is warranted and he deserves that mantle. Hall of Fame, no doubt. Retired Nick number. I say yes if Bernard King is going to be alongside him. I think they had similar careers, similar type of players. I'm fine with either both. And neither getting a number retired. Where do you stand on Melo? Does Melo fit the bill to you as a retired Nick number? Yes or no? Before Melo goes up, you got to put his Royal Highness up, okay? Bernard has to go off. Bernard was a better player than Melo. Okay, let's be honest about it. He was a better player. He was as good a scorer as we've ever seen. 
And I know it was a short period of time, only a three-year period of time. But he, you know, in an era where the Knicks were kind of, you know, it was, you know, it was after the championship teams and it was before the Ewing years, he gave you something that, you know, you got excited about. You know, I mean, that 83-84 season, Knicks won 47 games, should have been the MVP. King should have been the MVP that year to give it to Larry Bird. Should have been Bernard. He was unbelievable. I think he finished second, whatever. He should have been the MVP of the league. He was unbelievable. He had those back-to-back 50-point games in Texas, in Dallas, in San Antonio. Uh, he, he Forget it. I mean, he was unbelievable. He was just an unbelievable player. Uh, they had that, that playoff series. Remember that first-round series against Detroit with Isaiah Thomas, five-game series. They went mano-to-mano, game five in Detroit. <clears throat> Knicks wound up winning it at overtime. It, you know, it was almost every other, you know, uh, King would hit a shot. Isaiah would hit a shot. Eventually, the Knicks won that series. They played the uh, eventual champion Celtics in the next round in a classic seven-game series. I mean, just tremendous seven-game series. Celtics won all four games at Boston. Knicks won all four games at the Garden. I was fortunate enough <clears throat> to be at game six. Knicks won it. Uh, Larry Bird had a chance to win it with a three and, and rimmed out at the buzzer. And the Knicks won that game. All three games at the Garden, Bernard had 40-plus points. You know, he was unbelievable. The next year, the team wasn't as good. He was a leading scorer in the league <clears throat> when he tore his knee up. And, you know, they made the mistake of not, Bianchi made the mistake of not bringing him back. He never got a chance to play with Patrick Ewing. And the only time I ever rooted against the Knicks ever was when Bernard came back with the Bullets. Wow, came, that's right. He, two, he came back with the Bullets to the Garden. I think he played two games, or two years with the Bullets. Came back to the Garden. I was rooting for Bernard against the Knicks. He scored 49 in that game against the Knicks. And kind of, you know, gave a little ex- exclamation point that you should have never got rid of me. Bernard's got to go up there, bro. To me, uh, he's a Hall of Famer. He's one of the great scorers of all time. He's a Nick. I know he played on a couple of different, obviously, to trade with the, the Nets to get him for Michael Ray Richardson and all of that. But um, Bernard King's... Joe, can you I, explain to me why is he up. not in? So, so why is he not in? That's my question to you. You well, just illustrated... No, 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 no. no, no. I, I know he's in the Hall of Fame, but that is re- Nick royalty right there. You he mentioned it. He's the bridge from the Clyde yes. Willis teams to the Patrick 90s teams that I grew up with. So I'm too yes. young to appreciate Bernard King and his greatness, but I see these stat lines and I see these sort of numbers. To me, that's warranted of having his number retired. That's why when I went through my top five list the other day, Bernard King has to be on that list. Before you talk about, and I, I, Melo deserves it. Melo's had a great run in the NBA. Right. But why was, you saw both careers. Why was King a better player than Melo? Why was he better? Yeah. He he was better, bro. I'll tell you why, because he could carry it. I know Melo could score a lot of points. But this guy could just carry the team to the point of, you know, on his back through the playoffs. You know what I mean? I mean, he was he was just better. I mean, he was unstoppable. There were times when he was just unstoppable. He'd go down the baseline, that little, you know, that little fadeaway jumper from the baseline. You couldn't stop the guy. He he was he was better than he was better than Mello. Mello now, as far as Mello, would I retire Mello's number? I would. I got a warm place in my heart for Mello. He's one of the few Knicks at a time when nobody wanted to freaking play here. You know, LeBron, you know, was taking his talents to South Beach and all of that. Nobody wanted to be here. I know Stoudemire came here. That's only because they gave him so much money. That's why he came. But Melo wanted to come here. He wanted to be here. 
And I got great respect for that when a time when nobody else did. You know, LeBron didn't want the pressure of playing with the Knicks. Let's be real. He didn't want it. He, you know, he, he wanted to go play with, you know, Dwayne Wade and, and uh, Bosch and all those guys. He didn't want the pressure of being the man. Okay, go lead us to the promised land. So uh, Melo did. He had that one year, obviously, the uh, 10 years ago when, it's, when he won 54 games and that brutal second round loss to the to the to Indiana. Roy, the Roy Hibbert blocking him at the rim, game six. But you know what are you going to do? But uh, he scored. You know he's he's got the record for most points in a game by a Nick. I think he's got sixty one. Broke Bernard King's record, but Bernard had the record of sixty on Christmas Day against the Nets. Of course, they lost that game, but whatever. He broke that record. So you know Bernard goes in not the same time, but Bernard should go in first. And then you want to put Melo, you know, uh, put Melo up there after Bernard. I'm good with it. And I think you bring up a fair point with Melo. He wanted to be a Nick. You have to yes. respect that. Got no some question. bad luck too, because they blew up that entire team. Phil Jackson yep. was an absolute disgrace. But you nailed it with yep. Melo. He was just never going to be the number one guy on a championship team. That's all there is never. to it. There were two nope. as good a scorer as he was. There were too many other warts to his game that everything needed to be kind of perfect in that regard around them. All right, let's get to the Mets because the Yankees have a zillion retired numbers. There are a few that got to go up there. We'll get to that. The Mets is an obvious one to me, and it's going to happen in the next couple of years. David Wright's getting his number retired. He's the captain of the team. He was there a decade. He took him to the 2015 World Series. Wright is going to have his number retired. Any other Mets, Joe, that you look at and say, you know what? They should retire these guys' numbers. Who would it be? Let's let's be honest. Before you give me David Wright, you got to put Doc and Darrell up in the rafters. I'm sorry. You know what? It You're not wrong about. Put them, I never thought about that. You're right about there. that. You're right about it's that. Time. They were royalty is, in this town, big royalty. time royalty. There is no 1986 championship. Let me tell you right now. When Doc Gooden pitched 1980, really the whole time, when Doc Gooden pitched for the Mets, let me say this: from 1984 through 1990, you just knew the Mets were winning the game. Okay, I got to tell you right now. I know he wasn't the same guy after 85. I get it. But when he pitched, you knew they were going to win. And I'm telling you, bro, I was in the building for the Bill Buckner game in 86. Okay. Uh, I was in the building for playoff games against the Cardinals. Uh, you know, the, the uh, game, Todd Pratt game when they beat Arizona to get, you know, to win that division series. Jay Stadium never rocked like it did when Doc pitched in 1985. It was a freaking happening. Okay. It was unbelievable. What this guy? Forget about it. He, I mean, he, he, night of the game, they're putting another ten, fifteen thousand people in the stands. Just you know, walk up, just because of Doc, and him and Daryl. Man, there is no nineteen eighty six. These guys were the guys. These guys would have. You could talk about Hernandez. He was great. You could talk about Gary Carter, a part of that team. No doubt, they don't win without him. But I'm telling you, it, it was a whole different deal. They certainly don't win without Strawberry and Gooden. And those guys got to go up there, and it's time for the Mets to get off the moral high ground, okay? I don't want to hear any more about the drugs and this. And I, I got to tell you this, too. I blame the Mets. I blame Frank Cashin. Frank Cashin, okay, everybody goes crazy about him. Frank Cashin dismantled that team. And Frank Mas- Frank Cashin never handled Doc and Darrell right. They should have been – these guys should have been policed by the team. These were two young guys. In New York, they'd never been to New York before. Daryl coming from California, Doc coming from Tampa. They'd never been in New York before. And they're all of a sudden, these guys are megastars. They, they got, they, Nike's got the mural, I don't it's not there anymore, of Doc on uh, 42nd Street, whatever it was. 
I'll never forget it. He was his biggest star. Those were the two biggest stars in baseball. Oh, no much. doubt. And it was must-see anytime Gooden was on the oh. mound. Strawberry hit moonshots. 100%. Right. And let's be real. You nailed it with 86. Before my time, those two guys were the ascending, insane superstars no of that team. All right, Keith was no. the veteran. Gary right. Carter's the Hall of Famer. I'm not going to disparage, but you nailed right. it. They were the box office. Strawberry and Gooden were the box office. And really, in many ways, no pun intended, Joe, the straw that stirred the drink with that team, giving them the infusion that they needed, no doubt. No, no question about it. Look, they look from night after they traded Seaver in 1977. They they had some brutal years. 77 right through 1983, they were terrible. Then 84, right? They Darrell comes up in the spring of 83. They make the trade in June for because the trading deadline was in June back then, June 15th. They make the trade for, for Hernandez, and then. It all comes together the following year when Doc, they bring Doc up to start the 84 season. And that's when that, that team took off. And let's be honest, from 19, the, the best run of Met baseball in the history of the franchise is from 1984 to 1990. I understand they only won the one championship. I, always, I understand they only went to the playoffs twice. But if they had the wild card back then, they'd be in the playoffs every year. year. And they might have won an extra championship. Let's right. be honest. They, they might have. And Mike, and and you have to. I mean, you just look at the numbers. I mean, they won ninety games in eighty four. They won ninety eight and didn't didn't make the playoffs. They won ninety eight games in eighty five. They win the World Series in eighty six. They won one hundred and eight games. The next year they got all these injuries. They still won. I think it was ninety two games the next year, right? Even though they wound up losing to the Cardinals, they win a hundred games and win the division in eighty eight. Even though that disaster to the Dodgers, they had kind of an off year in eighty nine and they only won eighty seven. Then they came back in ninety. They won ninety one games again. And they were right in it to the end with the Pirates. And then it all went downhill when Strawberry left. They should have kept Strawberry. And even Darrell says it. He should have stayed in New York, you know, instead of going to L.A. But Frank Cashin basically told him to, to walk out the door. He said he wasn't a $5 million player. He went on television and said Strawberry is not a $5 million a year player at a time when, you know, now that's chump change now. But when $5 million meant something, that's, I mean, you know, so those guys got to be up there. I'm sorry. It's time. They got to get off the high horse, the Mets. They got to get off the freaking moral high ground that, you know, they're, that sports, there's too many people in sports are on. And they got to put these two guys, in, uh, you know, they got to retire the numbers and they got to do it before Doc leaves the earth. Okay. Uh, there's something to that. I agree. You know, I didn't put him on my list, Joe, but you made a very compelling case. And I do think with this owner now, who has a great so. sort of respect for what that 86 team meant. I think yep. they will absolutely take care of it before it's all said and done. I okay. Hope so. uh, the two guys for me on the Yankee list, and the Yankees have way too many, way too many numbers retired. We've talked about this. I've done your podcast. It actually bothers me. There are two that I want, though, moving forward. Sabathia has to be there. He pitched for okay. the team for a decade. He's gone in the Hall of Fame. He won a championship. I think CC's numbers got to be there. And you mentioned the moral high ground. The Yankees are never going to do this. You know what I know. Hey, They're never going to do it. A-Rod's numbers should be retired. And no, before you absolutely. sit there and tell me steroids, no, I'm with the you, Giants bro. honored Bonds, the, the Yankees, yep. I love Pettit. I love Pettit. Pettit tested for HGH. Ortiz mm -hmm. is in the Hall of Fame for the yep. Red Sox. Yep. A-Rod is responsible for their last championship, and he won two MVPs. He's a retired number. I'm sorry. He is. He hit over 50 home runs in a season with the Yankees. I, I, bro, you, you, there's no doubt about it. There's no doubt about it. And Look, like I said, you just like with Doc and Darrell, they got to, like you just said it, they got to get off the moral high ground. This guy, 
he, he played, what, 10 years with the Yankees. Like you said, the last time they won a championship, he was the guy. Look, I love Don Mattingly, okay? I love him. He should be in the Hall of Fame. They should put Hernandez and Mattingly in together. Those guys should go into the Hall of Fame together. But Don Mattingly won nothing as a Yankee, okay? He's like the only really great Yankee who won anything. A-Rod won, and he won a couple MVPs. Uh, you know, he hit his 600th home run there and all of that. You know what? Uh, I think he hit his 500th with the Yankees, too, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he did. 500 he, and 600. Yeah. <clears throat> he belongs. Number 13 should be retired. I'm I totally agree. It won't happen, but it should happen. Uh, from yep. the football, you texted me one. I didn't think of it because he's obviously mm-hmm. before my time. But who is the guy from the Jets that has not been taken care of that, in your estimation, should be taken care of? Well, I mean, I, I you know, it's, look, he's in the ring of honor. And I know it's a little different with the retired numbers, but they should retire his number two. Mark Gastineau belongs in the Hall of Fame, bro. And he was the, look, now that Klecko's in, you know, Klecko had to go in and Klecko's got to go in first. Now that Klecko's in, you got to put this guy in. I mean, they would have sack exchange, Joe. They would have sack exchange together. And he was the premier pass rusher of his time. But he had the record for most sacks in the season until Strahan broke it. You know, actually, Brett Favre broke it for him. thanks Favre for that one, yes. (laughs) Right, right, you know. But, I mean, he had the record, 22, whatever it was. The guy was, the guy made not just four pro bowls, bro. He made four all-pro teams. All-pro. He was the, I'm telling you. And he gets a bad rap. First of all, he gets a bad rap that he couldn't play to run. That's nonsense. Go go watch some of the, t- the games on YouTube. This guy could go sideline to sideline as, as fast as anybody. And I know he gets a bad rap for the hit on Bernie Kozar in a playoff game against Cleveland. I know that. He gets a bad and, and but, but it wasn't just that. Joe Walton blew that game, and we could get I don't want to get into it. You know how I feel about that game. And, um, you know, he gets a bad rap because he left the team in the middle of the 88 season. That whole stuff with Bridget Nielsen, he was going out with her and all that insanity. Okay, but this guy, here's the other thing, too. He invented the sack dance, right? They they killed him for the sack dance. Now, everybody does a sack dance. You tell me the guy that that gets a sack that doesn't do something. There's none. There's none. They're they're flexing, they're dancing, they're shimmying. Yeah, correct, correct. I mean, this guy was, he's got like 100 sacks in his career, whatever it is. I think he had over 20 sacks three times. Uh, the year in, uh, in 81, when the sack exchange really exploded, I think Klecko, Klecko had 20. He had 19. And I know those guys didn't, you know, Marty Lyons and Klecko didn't get along with him at the time. I think it's a little different now. But to me, he belongs in the Hall of Fame. It's time to get Gary Myers. Time to get Gary Myers, who did a great job getting Klecko in. It's time for Gary Myers now to do, do a good job of getting Gaston Owen. Yeah, I think there's something to that. And, and the other thing, one more thing. You can't give this kid the rookie, Will McDonald. They drafted with the first round pick. They gave him 99. Yeah, can he earn it? Gets, can he earn play it? first. Yeah, I got to be giving it? him Gaston's number. The guy hasn't even played it down yet. Absolutely. That, that, that's ridiculous. Right. And now that right, I have you, um, two quickies, and I appreciate this. Because, yeah. again, you're a historical no, I love perspective. It. I can like talk about this. Look, this by the way, can I just say right this too? I just want to say this too, going back to Hall of Fame. Mattingly should be in the Hall of Fame. Ron Guidry should be in the Hall of Fame. David Cohn should be in the Hall of Fame. Wow. See, Hall you're you're a lot more generous on the Hall of Fame than I am, to be honest with you. But, bro, if you're going to put – it's not a matter of generous. If you're going to tell me Mike Messina is a Hall of Famer – David Cohn was a better pitcher. Of course. I agree. David Cohn, if I have one game to win, it, it's not close. I'm taking okay, David Cohn over Messina. If you tell me is a Hall of Famer, then, you got, then Ron Guidry's got to be in the Hall of Fame. I mean, he's got it. He's got to be in. I'd have to go through Guidry's numbers. 
I would. I mean, listen, 1978 is probably a top right. five all-time right. pitching season. I think he won 23 times with the Yankees, bro. If I'm not mistaken, I think he had three 20-win seasons. Uh, even the year before that, uh, when it'd be just be in because they have retired Gidry's number. It is retired. They have done that, but I think he's a Hall of Famer. Oh, and I think I, David Cohen's a Hall of Famer. I have one for you, Met related, and mm. this is one that's probably not going to happen. And knowing your feelings on this particular Hall player, of Fame or retired? No, 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 no. But Jacob Degrom getting his number retired. I say no chance. Now that he left, I say no chance. I don't think so. I, I, I think, think if he happened. stayed, if he would have resigned with the yeah. Mets, yeah, he yeah. would have gotten the number retired. Now, who the hell knows even with the Hall of Fame with him? Because yeah. is he going to – the guy never pitches. I just, I just don't look at David – I just don't look at Jacob DeGrom as a Hall of Famer. You know, you want to tell me he was the best six-inning pitcher that ever lived? They never won. They, you know, this this is something about – this is what kills me. How am I going to put a guy in the Hall of Fame that would pitch six innings and and basically leave the mound and his team lost most of the time? Okay, And he's happy. Left. See, here's the problem with, with DeGrom in that right. regard, Joe. I know where you're going. He's yeah. happy about that. If he goes right. and pitches six innings of one-run that baseball and the team loses right. one to nothing, I think his mentality is, hey, I did my job. Right. You guys suck. He doesn't right. look at it and say, man, <laughs> I should have right. won that game. And maybe that's unfair for me to say. But you know what? That's his body language. And that was his demeanor about it. for years. And maybe it's because he was on bad teams. And that got drilled into him. And he kind of got over the idea, hey, it's about me. It's not about we. But I think if DeGrom goes and throws eight innings and two-run baseball and they lose two to one, I think he's sleeping A-OK. I really do. Right. No, I, I agree with you 100%, man. And I think che- things changed for him. I think in 2015, when they were making the World Series run, he was like he was a bulldog. It all changed after that because I think that they, they started kissing his ass so much and telling him that, you know, he was better than Gibson and Colfax and Marichal and Siva for the most part. And I think it started really going through his head. When I, I, he's the only guy I have ever heard while he was playing say that I want to be in the Hall of Fame. You know what I mean? I had never heard any guy yeah, say that. Normally, that's a well, conversation. He, Listen, of course, guys want to be in the Hall of Fame, but right, it's but like, hey, say that. after oh, my know, career, be, let's let's figure right. that out. Let's, let's worry right. about that in 15 right. years. Not now. And you know I'm not a big... And he's hurt now. Is he hurt now? Of course he's hurt. Text? Yeah, of course he's, he's hurt. He's always hurt. He's always what hurt. What a disgrace. Listen, say what you want about. We'll see how Verlander works out. The Grom breaking down is the least bit surprising uh, the no. MO over the last few years is all you need to no. know as far as that goes. The only, um, the only guy that breaks down more than DeGrom is Giacolo Stanton. Uh, a lot of disgrace. And I bro. love the guy when he plays. He's a fantastic well, Yankee and he gets a lot of big hits. But he don't Wake play. me up. You put him in the outfield. Right. He breaks down. He's out for seven weeks. It's a total no joke. Um, uh, how about your quarterback hanging out with Taylor Swift the other night? Your quarterback, hey. by the way, is loving life as a New York high well, society well, uh, he's at the Rangers. He's at the Knicks. He's at Carbone. He's he's at Taylor Swift. Joe, he's living large. Oh, he better win. <laughs> you know, right now is a honeymoon period for these guys, uh, for him and for the team, for everybody. Bro, they got to win games. They got to win. They got to win a division. They, they got a two-year window to win a championship. If they don't win now, when is it happening, bro? It's now or never. It, he plays two years. Who's the quarterback after him? You're going to tell me Zach Wilson's going to, you know, turn out to be this big quarterback, you know, like get tooted by, by, um, by Rogers. I, I mean, I guess it could be possible, but they got to win now. And I'm telling you right now, I want a division title, right? You can't, I, you can't go nine and eight and say we had a nice year. What if you, you win a, what if you win a playoff? What if you win a playoff game? 
You got to go ten. If you go ten and seven and lose a first round playoff game, it's not. No, enough. I agree it's with that. Enough. Bad season. <clears throat> what if you go ten and seven and win a playoff game and lose to Kansas City and Cincinnati in the second round? I guess it would be acceptable this year, but they got to win a Super Bowl, bro. If they don't win it, when are they winning? When are they winning? I don't when have that answer for you. are they winning? I don't. I, I wish I did. You know, I want to win the division, man. We've won two division titles since the merger. We've had seven, bro, seven home playoff games in, what is it, 63 years. Seven home playoff games. Seven. It's time. It's time to win a division and win a home playoff game. Are we, that's, um, that's to me, are we planning that's the Black, minimum this year for me. Black Friday. <laughs> Day after Thanksgiving, after we stuff go. our faces. Oh, I'll be there. Uh, and it's a three mm. o'clock game. We're not going to freeze our ass off. But we're, we're, we got to go. We let, yeah. Let's make that happen now. See Mike White, I can see it now. Mike oh, White, stop Mike it. White will be start. Stop it. Don't stop it. Stop it. By the Mike way, White. did you see <laughs> my coach? Your, your favorite. Did you see my coach? Styling. Oh, I did. I did. All of at these Miami, Miami. Games, he looks oh, stellar. Oh my God, McDaniel! What a disgrace! I love it. My God. Hey, let me ask you this question. Yes. Tell me if I'm. Uh, did they have in Miami? They got Jordan's number hanging from the Raptors. They do. They I was there. I noticed that. And that's Marino's weird. number hanging from the. What is that? Yeah, that's weird. That's weird. Man, I don't have an answer do for that. that. Listen, Marino, at least you understand because of what he yeah, means okay. to Miami. All right, Marino, if you wanna, it's still weird, but whatever. There's no reason. Could Jordan? you imagine if the Knicks put up a Michael oh. Jordan raft during oh, the batters? And Jeez. I love Michael Jordan now because I look back on his career yeah. and I'm in awe yeah, and he's the now. best I've ever but you seen. Can't, you can't no, do that. I don't want his number retired. The hell with that. He tormented Please. the Knicks for 30 years. Oh. Now we're going to pay homage? No, the hell with Look, that. Leave his number up in Chicago where it belongs. That's it. You know what I mean? Yeah, and then you want to do it in North Carolina where he lives and owns the oh, team? Yeah. Fine, be okay, my guest. That's fine. Of course. Um, right. Are we going to see history as a final thought? We have a game seven in the Boy, NBA. I, I can't believe what happened at the end of last night's game. You can't make it up if you tried. Uh, I'm going to be sick of the set. Because you know what it is, Joe? The Red Sox have the Yankees. I and I got to hear about that nonsense all the time. Now I got to hear about the Rio with the Celtics. Yeah. And no. didn't the Bruins do it? Haven't the Bruins also done it? I think the Bruins did it too. I think they lost the 3 0 lead, if I'm not you mistaken. You sure about that? I think so. I'm not I 100% so. sure. I mean, look, it's happened a few times in hockey. Yes. It's happened more than once in hockey. So uh, the Islanders actually did it, going all the way back against Pittsburgh back in, what was it, 1975? They were down 3 0, came back and won the series in seven. And, the, and, and then in the next round, people don't know, I think you don't know this, in the next round, the Islanders were down to the Flyers 3-0, came back to tie the series, and lost Game 7 in Philadelphia, 1975. You know, Joe, I can only hope that, like, 40 years from now, my memory will be as good as yours with all this stuff. Because I think you I will, Because you're all over. You're living I have it. You're a living pretty it. good memory from like 1993 on. Like I think I'm pretty good right. as far as that goes. Yeah. Well, I don't have it from when I wasn't born because obviously I wasn't born. Well, I'm I jealous. I hear you reciting these games from like the 60s and the 70s, and it's Joe. It's like it's still there. It's amazing. Oh, of course, bro. I mean, I grew up, look, I, I'm four, I'm gonna I'm gonna be set. You know this. I'm gonna be 70 years old in September. Big birthday I coming up. We will celebrate. Thank you, bro. Yes. I am fortunate enough to have seen what I mean, I've seen the entire evolution of the National Football League. The entire. I mean, you know, the, the AFL, you know, the, the NFL becoming the king, queen, and and uh, prince of, of sports in this country, as we all know. I've seen that, you know, the evolution of that. The first baseball game I ever saw was 
The, uh, the first memory of baseball was the the uh, Pirate Yankee World Series in 1960. Mazeroski. Right, Mazeroski's home run, right? Um, you know, I became a Knicks fan in 1962. By the way, there were a bunch of guys, if you, because we, we saw the Rangers do this, okay? The Rangers went back in history. They retired Andy Batsgate's number nine. They retired Vic Hatfield's number 11. They retired Howie, Harry Howell's number three. You know, they went back and did that, and rightfully so. And I saw it was an interesting column. I, I want to give Mike DeCaro the credit for this out of the post. He talked about, we were talking about the whole mellow thing. Obviously, Bernard's got to go in before anybody. But then he talks about Richie Garen, who was the star of the team when I started watching it. Okay. Great player, Hall of Famer. Uh, you know, so I think the night that Will scored 100, I think Garen scored like 48 or whatever it was in that game, something like that. But he was a terrific player. Uh, even going back to Carl Braun, Nat Sweetwater Clifton, who was the first African American Nick and all of that. Played on those Nick teams in the fifties that lost three straight championship series, uh, in you know in the finals. Um, you know, I mean, we can start doing that too. I mean, if you if you want, but right now to me, it, it's Bernard and then Mello. Well, that's what I like, and I think most Nick fans, that's what they want to see. So yes, right. from Mello to the rafters, but don't forget about the great. The Bernard King goes first. Bernard His Royal King. Highness, bro. His Royal you Highness. Anybody who- you ask anybody who watched him play, he was It's a no-brainer. Joe, it's a no-brainer. No Everybody I talk to. That, see, that's what makes it that much more insane to me from a Knicks perspective. He's at every right, freaking right. game. Clearly, he's back on good terms with the organization. Put his damn number in the rafters. And that way, I don't got to see Julius Randle wearing it anymore. Oh, that's a joke. That they gave Julius Randle his number is a disgrace. And hopefully, he'll be gone at the end. Oh, you know, say a prayer. He won't say be a in prayer. Knicks next year. Well, the only way I'm going to be upset if Julius Randle is gone, is if they're dumb enough to take Carl Anthony's Towns contract, which would be a thousand yeah, times worse. Either. He's not that good either. He's not that good. He's more overpaid. He's charming <laughs> soft. No, thank well, you. Listen. The entire NBA is overpaid. But well, and many other we sports don't get, for that matter. We don't want to get mean, started on that. Where do we begin? Know? Where do we begin? Right. Great right. seeing you. Uh, we will catch up during football season, but I will see you on the golf course and not to well, this And by the future. way, let me tell you, I'm making a big run into Tommy's pool. I'm in sixth place. Sam Burns, who I had this week, okay? I don't know who won the playoff. Adam Schenk and Grillo, I don't know who won. They were in a playoff. Burns finished, like, in sixth place, bro. You he might win this pool. Shots off the this golf pool that I'm in that I'm, like, dead. I'm not dead last, but I am who'd towards you, the bottom of the barrel. Who did you have this week? Tommy, I told Tommy, you, I had Tommy, I had Hogue. I had Tommy Hogue this week. Tom Hoagie. Yeah, Hoagie. Next week is the Memorial Jack Nicholas's tournament. Next That's week. a good tournament. That's a good it tournament. A good yeah, it's so, good yeah, believe it or not, and I told you this on the phone. I have not used Rom, and I have not used Shepard. You're in good position. Yeah, but you know what? That's great. I got to pick. They had all these wins, and I didn't use them. I feel like I, right. I missed the boat on Rom. He won like four tournaments in a row. But you know what? I, I had Rom early in the year. He won for me at the Genesis in, uh, uh, you know, uh, in Riviera in L.A. Uh, I had Tony Finau won for me in Mexico, and I had Kepka win for me last week. Oh, uh, Kepka you know? was good to us. I didn't take him in the pool, but I bet yep. him to win the tournament. Right. So uh, no complaints there. But, no I, complaints but I've there. used almost all these guys. I'm, you know, I, I told you who I, I told you who I'm going to go with. Remember, I've used Rom, I've used Scheffler, um, you know, I've used Victor Hovland, I've used Kepka now, I've used Rory, but Rory never wins. Anyway. Rory never wins. But, <laughs> don't waste your time. Don't even get me started. But I've used all these. In fact, the, the week I used him, he lost by a shot. Oh, uh, I know. <laughs> You lost by one. Anyway, anyway, I've used all these guys. The guy I'm going with, I think, in the U.S. Open is Bryson DeChambeau. He I'm played real- well at the PGA. He did. Played really he well. Did. And I'm not his biggest fan. He played well. No, he did. And here's the other thing, too. 
these guys, these live guys, they got it. No, they got a little FU shoulder. to them. They got a little FU to them right now, Joe. Their no league might be relevant. Nobody's watching. But when they come to these tournaments, it's no like, oh, really? You, you think we can't play? Screw you. We're going 10 under. Don't, and don't be surprised if Kepka doesn't win again in the U.S. Open. Now, look how close he came to I winning mean, the, the Masters, I mean, the only thing is Kepka, Kepka, He should have won the Masters, Kepka. He, has, he should have won the Masters. He right. won the PGA. And I think he's been partying ever since down in South Beach. You see him at these Panther games? Oh, is that what he's doing? Why is he, he's getting married. He's having a kid, isn't he? Yeah, it? he's having a baby. That is correct. So he's partying. He's, he's <laughs> he, he looks like a guy who is uh, getting after right. the last few days. Yeah, the pain. The pain. Joseph, I will see you on the golf course. Thank you for doing this. All the love, all right? All of it. See you Thursday, bro. The great Joe Beningo. No greater historical New York sports perspective. We'll come right back. This episode is brought to you by NetSuite by Oracle. As your business grows, you might start seeing some lag. There's too much work for your team, too many different processes, and it takes forever to close the books. If this sounds like you, you should know these three numbers, 37,000, 25, and one. 37,000 is the number of businesses that have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. It's a cloud financial system that can help streamline accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25, that's how many years NetSuite has been helping businesses do more with less. And one, because your one-of-a-kind business deserves a customized solution for your KPIs. It's like when you come here for this podcast or when you check out your favorite website to gather all the info you need to make better decisions for your fantasy leagues. Well, NetSuite does that for your business and then some. It's one efficient system, one source of truth with everything you need to grow. Right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash ringer. That is netsuite.com slash ringer. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and Empower What's Next. Start today at Empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. So, you know, I'm looking at the Gidry numbers now before we do trivia with Larry. He's got a 329 career array. That's very impressive. 170 wins, though. It's an interesting case. Because he won a Cy Young once. Finished second in 85. Doesn't have the longevity. 321 seasons. Two ERA titles. It's closer than you think. Not as much offense in the game, though. So that ERA is going to be a little bit lower. It is going to be a little bit lower. My initial thought was no, probably doesn't deserve it, but it's closer than you think. All right, Larry. It's been a week. Steph's back. Hope you're taking it easy on me, pal. I got to rev up the trivia engines once again. Let's hear it. JJ, Larry. Question one is, who's the last pitcher with at least 25 starts to average eight innings per start? Second question, in the wild card area, in the wild card era, what team had the most wins in what year and did not make the wild card? I'm out. These are brutal, brutal, brutal questions. 
the last starter to average eight innings for 25 starts. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I mean, it's got to be a guy that like threw like 10 to 12, 14 complete games, right? Man, I don't even know where to begin with this. All right, I'm going to say 90s. It's got to be early 90s. This is tough. Actually, I don't think it's early 90s. I'm going to go a little later than that. Because there's a guy that's dawning on me that threw a ton of complete games throughout his life. Stefan, is it LeVon Hernandez? I took a shot there. Took a shot there. All right, now I'm going to go back. Early 90s, mid-90s. Jack Morris. Am I in the right decade, Stefan? Yeah, you're definitely in the right decade. 90s, to be exact. 90s is perfect. You're in the right decade. Right decade, 90s. Okay. Greg Maddox. There we go. Mr. Efficiency. I should have probably come to that guess a little sooner. All right. The second question. Larry's probably thinking Maddox was a layup and I should have gotten it immediately, but whatever. The last team in the wild card era to who is it? So is he's looking for the team, right, Stefan? Not the amount of wins, correct? The team is what we're looking for. Yep. Okay. I'm going to say it is the 2002 Seattle Mariners. <laughs> Took a shot. Took a shot. Because that year, I remember Anaheim was really good. Oakland was really good. I thought maybe it was uh, it was Seattle. Is it the 1998 Toronto Blue Jays? <laughs> mm, okay. Thinking here. Wild card era. See, uh, here's the thing. Wild card era. Well, now with expanded playoffs, it's not going to be a team with the expanded playoffs. Is it the, oh, okay, I think I got it. Is it the 2008 New York Yankees? <laughs> that Yankee team, I think, won 89 or 90 games. Steph, you want to tell me the year? Because I could be here forever. 99 is the year we're looking at, JJ. 99. 99. Okay. So let's think about the playoff teams in 99. You had the Yankees in the playoffs that year. You had the Texas Rangers in the playoffs that year. You had Boston in the playoffs that year. You had Cleveland in the playoffs that year. 99. Who's the team? Toronto Blue Jays. All right. Think National League then. Atlanta, Arizona, the Mets, and somebody in the Central I'm blanking on. I think it was the Astros. Was it the Cincinnati Reds? That's right. The Cincinnati Reds who played Al Leiter in the postseason in that 99 wildcard game, and Al Leiter completely shut them down. That's a fun question, Larry. Tough. Required some thought, but excellent question. All right. Jeff Bunny, 
we know what is at stake. It's game seven. The Miami Heat are seven and a half point underdogs against the Boston Celtics. The floor is yours. Who you got, sir? What's up, JJ? Jeff Money here at Handicapper Fix. It'll be for tomorrow, Monday the 29th. I want to wish everyone a happy Memorial Day. So we got tomorrow's action. We got game number seven of the Eastern Conference Finals. You know what? I'm going to roll with the Heat. I'm going to take this point. I'm going to take the Heat plus the seven and a half over the Boston Celtics. Of course, I also figure like anybody else that the Celtics are probably going to win the game. But I just think it's going to be tight. So that's why I'm going to go with the Heat plus the seven and a half. Let's see if we have a family play. All right, JJ, everyone can always follow all my daily plays on Twitter at Jeff Money. All right, JJ, I'm out of here. Let's go. Let's go, Jeff Money. We sure do have a family play. I like the Miami Heat as well. I don't think they're going to win the game. I think they end up losing a tight game. I think they're going to give you all sorts of hard. I think they're going to throw everything at the Celtics. I think the Celtics are a better team. So I will take Miami plus the points. And unfortunately, we're going to be talking about the first team in NBA history to overcome a 3-0 deficit. Kind of sickening, but I think that's the way the cookie will crumble. I hope everybody had an outstanding Memorial Day weekend. We'll be back on Thursday after game one of the finals. Uh, I think the Mets play Thursday because they're off on Monday. They better be playing on Thursday. So we'll have a Met-Philly reaction. The Yankees are off, I believe, Thursday because it is a little uh, hiatus for them Thursday going from Los Angeles or going from Seattle to Los Angeles. Mets play at 1 o'clock. We'll have a late pod, though, because I'm going to want to react to the NBA Finals. So we'll have you covered every which way. Stefan, by the way, now that you are back, as a parting thought, what was the uh, what was the highlight uh, from your trip to Stockholm? Did you see our guy Matson from Succession or no? <laughs> no Matson, No Matson trips. No no Matson sightings in, in Sweden. But I will say Sweden, uh, Stockholm is an amazingly beautiful city. Um, everything is walking distance. Everybody's got bikes. Everybody's got scooters. The trains are super fast. Uh, no real delays, unlike New York. Uh, the sightseeing was amazing. Um, there's a lot of American-style food joints there. That was pretty fun to taste something like burgers and fries of American style. And um, I had some meatballs out there while I was there, um, getting to meet all of our Ringer coworkers. And Spotify had an amazing going-away party for us on, on, on Thursday night. Well, I night. saw they took care of you. Uh, I Thursday saw that, night was, that Thursday night was amazing. And um, I met some people from Stockholm who took me out on a Wednesday night. So I actually got to touch the Stockholm streets. That was also fun. Um, the the entire city, beautiful beer gardens, nice views. Man, Jay, I had I had a blast, bro. So basically, lie. what you were telling me is, I gotta go. You have to go, and I do want you to go when it's like I would love for you to go in the springtime again because I got the word out, right? So here's the here's the the secret, or not so much of a secret, is that you don't want to be there dead heat in the summer because it's extremely hot there. Okay. You don't want to be there during the winter time because it's very dark. You don't want to freeze sun, your ass. I don't want to freeze my ass. You don't want to no. freeze A and B. The sun never comes out. They said the sun comes out for like four or five hours a day. I can't have that. No, so I can't have that. If you go during the springtime like I did, the sun sets at 10 p.m. and rises. 10 p.m. 10 p.m. Do and they have rises. golf courses in Stockholm? I'm pretty sure you can find one. I and might find one. And it rises again at 4 a.m. Wow. So you're a creature of the night. If you love the nighttime and you love like good weather, good vibes, like when it's like 60, 70 out there, 
It's a beautiful top. I promise you, you're going to love it. Well, that was one hell of an endorsement, Stefan Anderson. I appreciate yes. that, sir. Jay, so I, I wish uh, you would have went with me, bro. But I know you got business to handle. We can't leave our listenership empty. No New York, New York for a week. They would, they would kill us. I don't know what would happen there. So hopefully that's not happening anytime soon. Stefan, good to have you back. On that note, we're back Thursday. Mets Phillies reaction. Game one of the finals and little Yankee Dodger preview. That just sounds right. One of these years they'll play in the World Series. I feel like I've been saying that the last like eight years and then it just never, ever happens. So maybe they won't play in the World Series. On that note, enjoy your Memorial Day. Thank you to all the troops out there. We appreciate you. We love you. JJ out. Be good, everybody. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans at Empower What's Next. Start today at Empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client.